How we see the world is crucial. Our personal development, our relationships, our understanding all depend on what we see, how we see it, how we color the world. And that's why I wanted to do this episode on perception. Um, I was trying to think of a catchier title, like see it for yourself or seeing is believing. (laughs) But regardless, um, perception is super important. And that's why I want to talk about it this week on the working title show. And oddly enough, I forgot to say it at the beginning, so hi, I'm Eric, your host of The Working Title Show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and um, let's get started. Let's talk about perception. See it for yourself. Seeing is believing. Whatever kitschy phrase. Let's get in. Let's get into it. Let's go! Zen Mountain Site. The only Zen that we find on the peak of the mountain is the Zen that we brought up with us. The only peace that exists is the peace within our hearts and our heads. If we constantly go looking for peace, we admit to ourselves that we do not have peace within. Therefore, we must look within before we adventure about. We must look deeply and see for ourselves the shreds of beauty knotted up inside our souls. Perception in Practice To grow as individuals and society as a whole, we need understanding. But when it comes to understanding, perception is preliminary. There are two types of direct perception, real time and memory. We perceive the world around us directly from moment to moment, but we also store those experiences within our memories. Some argue that these are the only aspects of our experience that we can accurately rely on and learn from. We need to understand our experiences to better understand other people. We all struggle. We all see life and color it ourselves. So we have room for improvement. This is good news, folks. My practice relies on my perception, which relies on my focus and awareness, which relies on my attitude. If I want growth, I need to accept discomfort because it's a package deal. See, the point of all the suffering we go through is to see the point of all the suffering that we go through. Or if there seems to be no point, we can accept that our power is limited. But the choice to bend our perceptual experiences to our liking is exactly that, a choice. Practice makes perception crystal clear. imperceptible. 
Our senses are normally assumed to be pretty good, by which I mean that they don't really lead us astray. If we see a cliff up ahead, we change direction. We don't want to walk off a cliff. Something that we can see, hear, taste, smell, or touch is what we call perceptible. Clouds are perceptible. Wind is perceptible. Rain is perceptible. We can see a cloud, we can feel a gust of wind, and we can taste a drop of rain. Our senses are sensors relating us to our environment. But not all things are the same level of sensation. Some things I can use all five faculties on, like a book. I can see a book, touch it, smell it, turn the pages and hear the book. I can even lick the cover and taste the book. But some things aren't as fully perceptible. Think of the wind. You can't really see it, but you can see what it does. You can definitely hear it. Most certainly we can feel it. Now think of a molecule. This is imperceptible to our bodies because it's so small that it doesn't make a blip on our radar. But then again, everything is made of molecules, so we do experience them. We just don't perceive them as such. This lump of molecules is called a chair, and that one is called a deer. This concentration of subatomic particles, it seems solid, but we know from physics that all atoms are 99% empty space. Solidity is an illusion, says the physicist, but then he stubs his toe directly on his experience and his own illusion of solidity. That pain is real. That corner of a desk that he stubbed his toe on was real to him. It was a real experience. This means that perception can be relative or objective, situational, person to person, or general, something that just seems to happen. Color is situational because we each see objects from different angles and different distances, and this affects the photons bouncing off of the objects, and thus the angle at which they come into contact with our retina. Every situation warrants a unique experience. On the other hand, the photon itself is objectively experienced. Light is light. Flashlight, lamp, neutron star, firefly, these are all just different ways in which we experience the same. Light. Light is light. But what makes us experience the same light differently? do I see? I see a whole world spread about me, and I look on in amazement. The landscapes, the vegetation, the animals, the people. I see it all, and I try to make sense of it. I sense with my eyes, and I perceive this unending dance of life and death around me. I perceive the patterns of nature. I see trees give off seeds which, under the right conditions, become trees that give off seeds. Even seemingly inanimate objects are subject to change. Mountains shift and move, 
They are battered by winds and rain, and the steady progression of time can turn mountain into molehill. This I cannot see, for I have but a hundred years or so. What I see is limited, and so I must make sense of the sights with my intellect. I must reason and meditate on my experience if I want to grow in any way, shape, or form. I used to act as though I would never learn. I lived selfishly chasing drinks and drugs and parties and reckless abandon was my ride or die. I seemed like a lost cause, totally hopeless. Then I looked. Then I actually took the time and the effort to see what I had become. I saw depression and anxiety and existential angst. I saw demons and dark jungles of fear. I didn't like what I saw, but I continued to look. I thought that even though it seemed like all was lost, that was good enough reason to try for a change. What did I have to lose if I was hopeless? I've looked like a fool for every wrong reason in the books, so looking foolish while stumbling through change couldn't be all that bad. It would at least be familiar to me, that feeling of shame. I've seen that ghost of mine many times and know it well. If I failed at changing the darkness I had become, then darkness I would be. But why not give light a fair chance to shine? So I did, and some light broke through. But at first, that only showed me more clearly the mess that I had made. My body wasn't functioning so well and my mind was scattered. My heart was knotted and calloused. But the light made it easier to clean up. It made my behaviors apparent, so I kept looking and noticing the patterns of Eric 1.0. I saw myself in a new light. I saw pain and suffering, but now that some hard work had been done repairing the damage, I saw hope speckled amongst the mess. Now I do my best to keep a constant light and flash it here and there to repair what I can. I'm not totally naive, though. And so I realized that affecting my psychology must necessarily be a long and arduous process, but fuck it. What do I have to lose? I see that, and I keep on cleaning up. I see a mess, but I also see it slowly becoming a miracle. I can see now my own miracle. I beg you to seek yours and see it with your own eyes. No faith. No scripture, just you and your mess turned miracle. Just see it for yourself. Two birds. There once was a pair of birds living in a tree. One bird was on the lower branches, searching for fruits to eat, while the other bird sat atop the tree. The lower bird was dependent on the fruits, so it became a habit to search for them. The fruits were sometimes sweet, and sometimes they were bitter. The lower bird would move about and eat the fruits, and so long as the fruits tasted sweet, our bird was happy to be where it was. But when lower bird had a bitter fruit, or a series of bitter fruits, it would be displeased and discouraged, 
Looking up, our lower bird would see the higher bird sitting peacefully. Lower bird would then get the idea to go up to the next branch. This took effort, but finally lower bird reached the next branch. Resting on this relatively higher branch, lower bird would find itself in the habit of enjoying the fruits that that branch had to offer. Again, the cycle began and lower bird would eat and enjoy until the bitter fruits discouraged again. And again, lower bird looks up to higher bird and sees the effortless peace of higher bird. Lower bird thinks that the highest branch must then have the highest fruits. Again, lower bird ascends to a higher branch and rests. Again, lower bird gets distracted by tasting fruits. Again, it looks up and remembers the higher fruits. Closer and closer, lower bird comes to the top and the fruits are almost within grasp. The radiance of higher bird shines down on lower bird and it is magnificent. Lower bird sits and enjoys the presence of higher bird. Lower bird sees that higher bird eats no fruits. How can this be? Such golden feathers and shining stature can't be maintained without a wonderful fruit, thought lower bird. As lower bird rose to the branch beneath higher bird, the feathers melted away from lower bird. Fruits were no more. The thought of fruits was no more. The goal was all but reached, and so Lower Bird disregarded the loss of plumage and ascended once more to finally reach the top of the tree. Upon reaching the apex, Lower Bird realized that there was no other bird. Lower Bird was always Higher Bird. But what happened? Simply put, Higher Bird looked down and daydreamed about what it would be like to enjoy the fruits that the lower branches had to offer. But Higher Bird got lost in the dream and thought itself to be Lower Bird. There was no other, only one. There was only the dream of enjoying and tasting the fruits of the tree that led to the bitter and sweet sensations. There was never really a struggle. There never really was a moment in which Higher Bird needed any fruit whatsoever. Higher Bird sat and wondered and enjoyed the experience of the whole tree without leaving its perch. But Higher Bird forgot and so was lost, only to be found again by remembering its true nature atop the tree, wanting of nothing, remaining in harmony. Love is perception. To love someone is to see the good in them even when things don't seem all that great. To love myself is to look for the good within me and to cultivate it. To believe I am lost or hopeless is a view, an opinion subject to change. Love isn't eternal in the sense of static containment, but rather in the sense of dynamic action. And that's what doesn't die, the energy. The energy of love can turn a dreary day into a tranquil night. 
It can color the world around us and color it brighter than we can imagine possible. The beauty of love in the present moment is that it's an ever-renewing chance to see the good and beautiful in anything whatsoever. Contrary to popular belief, love is not a feeling. Actually, what I mean is that it isn't just a feeling. It's also an act, a performance, a sacred duty. Love is dead without work. Love is barren without effort. We all know people, and people sometimes make it hard to love. That's when feeling needs to take a backseat to performance. When life doesn't seem beautiful, that is our opportunity, our calling, to add beauty ourselves. It's the bright side, and the best part about the bright side is that it's always there. We just need to look for it, and that takes effort. And that's what I mean when I say that love is hard. The action of love demands the utmost from each and every one of us, but it also offers us more than just pleasant feelings. Love offers us a field on which to grow a new life. It offers us a shift in perspective, a different way of seeing life in all its various aspects. It offers space to sit back and view the whole spectrum of experience, and then we can find our place within the mural of living. Love can direct us, but only if we take the time to read the map. It all starts with ourselves. Each one of us must cross the desert inside to find love for ourselves, or at least it feels that way to me sometimes. I can see how we each struggle to love ourselves, and that's what connects us most deeply. I find it so easy to see the good and wonderful in other people compared to looking for that within myself. It's probably because I know myself intimately. I am myself. I witness all my thoughts and emotions, and all too often, I get attached. I cling to this idea or that hope. I dwell on this failure or that deficiency. I can see my whole life, and sometimes my eyes are more attracted to the darker parts of the land within. This is again when love must turn from reaction to action. This is when I have to look at what I can do to bring light to the darkness. Shifting my thinking isn't easy, but with dedicated effort over time, I find less resistance. My stream of thought becomes more manageable, and so less energy is necessary to turn my outlook towards a brighter disposition. Work is the keystone of this process. Insight is key as well. But honestly, we need to want to see our better qualities. That is the root of the problem. We need to desire growth and change, even though they will definitely hurt. Our growth is directly dependent upon our desire to grow. But if we think of ourselves as lost causes, then lost causes we will be. Desire depends on perception. Imagine the good things we can all accomplish. So what if it hurts? 
The world is hurting something fierce, and it's going to take a fierce amount of inner growth from each of us to turn it all around. But I see that as entirely possible because I choose to see us that way. I believe in us. And I believe in choosing to see life with love-colored lenses. The list. I want you to think of your loved ones. I want you to think of all the things you would do for them to help. I want you to think of the list of things that you wouldn't do for them. That list should be pretty short. This is how you perceive those you love most in this world. You see them as worthy of your efforts. You see them as worthy of your time. Now imagine a little circle around the ones you would pretty much do anything for. Compare that circle perhaps with your town or your school or your workplace. Think of all those people outside of your decided circle. How do you perceive them? The views that we hold are polar in nature. What I mean is that what you think of someone reinforces what they think of you. This is because thought always precedes action unless the act is purely reflexive, instinctual. What we think of others directly affects how we treat others. We see a hobo as a lost cause, and thus we treat him or her with contempt, with disdain, with pity. What if we tried viewing such cases in a brighter light? What if we refused to believe in a lost cause scheme of things? And what if we instead amend our thought when it comes up and correct it? Why not bend that thought towards the positive and think of some people in terms of losing for the moment? There should be no finality in the current situation. Someone who is down on their luck is always capable of turning it around. To turn our luck, to guide our destiny, and move our stars, we need help. Nobody has ever done one single thing without help. The work of everyone that came before is that help. Our neighbors are that help. Our reflection is that help. Our efforts to grow, evolve, and flourish are that help. Our desire to reach our utmost potential is that help. We are the help. We are the help. Something as simple as helping our neighbor bringing in groceries is help. Help comes in all shapes and sizes, but it always leaves the situation better than it had entered it. This may be difficult to perceive sometimes. Reflect on the situation and seek help. Once you find help, then you can accept it as a teacher, as a mentor. Helping ourselves helps others. The more we expand ourselves, the more room there is for others. The more we accept the duty, no, the honor of seeing others are deserving of help, just like us, the more willing we are to reach out. It all begins with a thought, an idea, a dream. 
the birth of progress occurs the moment the thought is conceived. Cherish the thought that we are all in this together. Perceive the world as self and not separate. Look at the world with fresh new eyes of understanding and acceptance. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us is above another. Dignity is shared, not stolen, sold, or stipulated. Respect is dual in nature. It is a relationship. If we don't respect each other, then our actions will show it. If we don't wish to respect each other, if we don't take the time to really consider that life can be difficult for any of us, then compassion can't grow. Compassion is the proper perception. Compassion isn't assuming we are good, and it isn't assuming we are bad. Compassion is making the effort to understand the situation. Compassion is knowing the situation to be ever-changing. Knowing that a light touch and a kind word can help brighten the situation itself. But without considering what others might be going through, compassion is only a ghost. There's a running list in our heads containing all of our judgments. This process creates the world that we see. If we peek at the process while it's happening, we get a glimpse of what I call the list. The list is what makes our world ours. It's like a whirling electric band of light before our eyes, taking the unfamiliar world around us and arranging it so that we can make sense of it all. But if we aren't aware of this process, then we lose our ability to to directly affect the list. The list becomes a runaway train speeding dangerously without a conductor. The list is comprised of a billion values. Each value can be plus, minus, or neutral. A value cannot be created or destroyed, but it can be changed. Perception is simply the overall ratio of positive, negative, and neutral values. If the negative outweighs the positive, the result is a degree of pessimism depending on just how many negative values exist within our billion values in our mind. But the thing about negative values is that they tend for the positive. There is an attraction between negative and positive thoughts, just like there is an attraction between electrons and protons. Our bandwidth of perception is this continuum of variable thoughts in relation to each other. The positive thought wishes to help the negative, and so there is an attraction and motion. The negative thought wants to change the positive to negative, and so there is an attraction and motion. Motion breeds change. The neutral thoughts are unaffected by the law, and so they give us balance and stability. A neutral thought is perceiving something as it truly is, and not simply what it means to us. We might think that the optimal version of the list is 100% positive, but this isn't true. The goal is to transform the list into a neutral one. And this is why. Positive and negative attract each other, and so they will always be chasing each other and affecting our view. Changing a negative thought into a positive one is helpful and necessary at times, but at the end, 
we still have a charged thought. We still have a thought loaded with opinions and our ego. This is why we sway in the sea of thought sometimes. This unbreakable relationship between plus and minus drives the whole process of good and bad actions, whereas neutral is stable. Neutral is solid and sound and not easily changed. It is tranquil. It is still. Neutral means we have a foundation strong enough to support others. This is why we want the list to be neutral rather than plus or minus. Neutral allows us to stabilize, which leads to rapid growth. The list is like a halo made of thought particles. But the halo is a little bit lower than usual. It goes over our eyes and around the back of our heads. The particles of thought aren't normal particles, but subtler, similar to electricity. Electricity is a field of potential with spikes appearing throughout. Each event of electricity, whether it's an electron or a lightning bolt, is a spike in the fabric of the electric field. Similarly, our thoughts are spikes in a field of consciousness. That field of consciousness can be seen as the list. What I mean is that the list is a band of thoughts peaking and then settling back into the fabric of our awareness. The plus and the minus are mountains in the field, whereas the neutral are more like hills. The smoother the surface of our list, the more clearly we can see it all. <laughs>